Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And today we'll be talking about our CES 2021 preview, which uh, that show begins next week. You know, we've been working hard to prepare for it. Nothing else is happening, right? Right? Let me just, mm. like, let's just get into the podcast. As always, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. You can also email us at podcast at Engadget.com. Please join us Thursdays around 10 a.m. Eastern when we record the show live, too. You can uh, you can join us for a Q&A and chat with us, and we'll answer some of your questions. So let's talk about CES, right? Right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was in the middle of CES when all this went down. Uh-huh. And by all of this, uh, I think Sherlyn <laughs> means the attempted coup on American democracy by right-wing extremists and Trump supporters. Uh, that, that was a strange thing to see on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, let's, let's talk a bit about what happened because, um, I'm not sure about all of you listening, but as, as these events started to unfold and we saw protesters approaching the Capitol in Washington, DC, and we saw them getting into conflict with the police. And then, then all of a sudden the line was breached and they, they were just on the building, breaking through doors, busting open windows. It was an insane thing. To watch, and it made me realize just how I don't know, just how far we've kind of fallen as a country, and mm-hmm. what extremism is doing to to so many people in America right now. But it's also it was just wild. So let's talk about what's happening here. A lot of this is actually down to tech, even though there there's a lot of explanations here, right? And we're not a political podcast, so uh, I can't really dive into the nitty-gritty of the reasoning behind this. But what I can tell you is, uh, you know, we can report the news. And here's what we know so far. Among these right-wing extremists who invaded the Capitol, here's what we know. Afterwards, four people died following the coup. One woman was shot by police. There were three medical emergencies. There aren't. There's not much more detail from that. This is the first time... The Capitol building was invaded since the War of 1812, and that was by British soldiers in 1814. They burned down the Capitol. It's uh, kind of astounding. Like, we're mm-hmm. e- even during the Civil War, right? The, mm-hmm. uh, the Civil War flag did not make it to the Capitol, but uh, Trump supporters still managed to do it. 30 people were arrested after curfew which for some reason included Washington Post journalists. Um, and from what I saw and from the footage I saw, it also seemed like cops were just letting all these extremists out of the building, like letting them walk out, holding the door open for them. It is 
It was an astounding thing to see. It didn't seem like arrests were happening right then. Um, I did see last night that the FBI put a call out to anybody, uh, basically to the internet, to say, can you help us identify who these people are? And Twitter got like got into action immediately. <laughs> I'm sure Reddit is going to be a big part of oh, that. Yeah. yeah, but this is just a crazy, crazy situation. And this all kind of started Wednesday morning when President Trump got in front of his supporters who had gathered to protest the presidential nomination of Joe Biden, right? And mm-hmm. they they falsely believe there was fraud. It's something Trump has been saying for a while. This is exactly why they gathered. And they were there to force Congress people not to vote to confirm this presidency. And what's weird is that during that speech, Trump basically left them with, you know, please like confront confront the Capitol, basically. He told them he'd be watching. He literally incited this mob to invade the Capitol. And I think because of that, um, or at least one of those reasons is why he was later punished on social media uh, by both Twitter and Facebook, because he started sharing uh, on both on both uh, platforms, he shared a video that called the election results fraudulent, which both Twitter and Facebook have been putting up warnings about that. He called those supporters his very special people. And he tweeted this as the riot, you know, as they were actually invading the Capitol. So I think that was the last straw for both of these companies. Twitter said that they would, um, so what they first of all did is that they blocked those specific tweets, the ones with the video, and they suspended his account. So he couldn't tweet anymore. There was a Twitter announcement that said um, if he removed the tweets, he could tweet after 12 hours, but future violations could, you know, could mean a permanent suspension of his account, which is something a lot of people have been calling for, you know, since since before he became president. So that is certainly an interesting thing to see. Facebook ended up blocking Trump's account for 24 hours and Instagram did as well, uh, citing two violations, which included that video. So that is sort of like the aftermath we saw on these online platforms. But I think what really struck me is that this is this is a very online coup attempt, right? There is there's just a lot happening here. It's driven by social media. It's driven by our instant connectivity. Uh, let me just tell you a statement here um, because I think I think it's kind of interesting just to put this in perspective. Paul Barrett, deputy director of the NYU Stern Center for Business and Human Rights, uh, said in a statement, Facebook and Twitter did the right thing. Better late than never. Trump has violated the platform's rules by spreading disinformation about election fraud and inciting violence. This kind of harmful content should have no place on social media services that protect their users and society at large. So, Sherlyn, after all of this... I'm not sure like where exactly you fell on Twitter should kill Trump's account, you know, um, or should we just keep censoring him like whenever he does bad things, which if you look at his Trump as, as his Twitter account right now, it is just a straight line of warnings like this is disputed. This is, you know, he's lying. Basically, where do you I come mean, down think, on what's happening now? I think one of the things that happened was um, as the riots were happening and as a siege was happening, mm-hmm. people were calling on Trump to do something, say something to take get these people to leave. And that's his platform for talking to them. Twitter, yeah, Facebook, yeah. that's how he reaches people. And that's the video he posted, which is. We love you. You're very special. Go home in peace. Yeah. And, but it was did he a say very. Go home in peace. He did. He did. But it okay. was a mixed message kind of uh, mm-hmm. video where this first half of it he spent blaming, you know, everything sort of still on the, you know, so called stolen yeah. election. Um, and it, it just, 
not everyone who really supports him would know what to take away from that. And and it's it's that sort of like unclear messaging, I think, that finally yeah. it's, it really pushed him over the line and made Twitter and Facebook do what they did. Um, so in that situation, I think that the suspension makes sense because if you're not going to, you know, stand up against all of what's happening definitively, mm-hmm. like the way uh, some other politicians have, and you're going to say these things that continue to perhaps possibly incite violence some more, then they have a responsibility to stop it. This is this is people's lives. This is this is at, yeah. this is stuff that's at stake. I don't think a lot of people understand what happened here either. Do you think? Do you think Twitter should have just blocked his like ended his account earlier? Because it's not like this is the first time this has happened. He's been. He's been doing this since the beginning of his presidency, yep. right? Like, this is the online president. This is a guy who basically came to power because of his ability to manipulate mm-hmm. media and online conversations, especially his Twitter account, and just really rally people, um, you know, with his message. Yeah. Do you think it was too late for Facebook and Twitter to do something like this? I mean, I, I think it was definitely, like, it should have come sooner. But yeah. that's my point of view. I want to say that, like, Twitter and Facebook companies like those are also under tremendous pressure from like people on the other side and so they would get really mad what's too. the other side being the being the people who support trump right like the people right. who are his the, supporters the ones who are claim like, that yeah social media is always against them even though right. we have documented evidence of both facebook and twitter kind of going to extreme lengths to appease conservative and right-wing voices too right like they it it is very frustrating to see them whining about this when they're the ones these companies uh, often you know just stumble over to trying to it's, try to appease basically. It's just yeah. funny what the limits were, right? I think mm-hmm. I think this is this is what it took to push. <laughs> this is what it took. It took Twitter it took and war, Facebook. It yeah, took a war. I'm sorry, thing no. It took American it soil. took people who thought they were safe from anything, right? Yeah, Rioting yeah. and looting, but people who are senators may feel like they're usually very safe. But it took their mm-hmm. safety, the safety of these so-called important people yeah, to be yeah. threatened for them to be like, oh, crap, we got to do something. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If this was just yeah. writing in the streets, Twitter would be like, meh, you know? Facebook would be like, well, this is a fraudulent post, yeah. but there would this be is, no suspension. This is a warning message, and that's all you get. I, I think right. that's certainly part of it. Like, this is... They they basically Trump is now directly there's a line you can directly draw to him inciting people attacking politicians and very important people. We've seen this, I mean, throughout the year, too. Right. Because, hey, a a group of Trump supporters and extremists plan to kidnap uh, the governor of Michigan. Right. So there there has been a lot of this. I do wonder why. I do think it's 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 a little too late for both these social media companies, especially because Twitter Twitter is boosted by Trump support. Here's the here's the thing. Like even though most of his content is toxic and he mm. riles up, you know, a very uh, a very extreme base of people, it's good for Twitter because it's more it's engagement. engagement and right. it's engagement for Twitter, it's engagement for Facebook and Instagram and that's all these companies care about. I do wonder now that the Capitol building has been attacked by a very online group of people. You know, it's a group of people who it seems like they got there with no clear message. Here's the thing, right? They weren't, they were protesting the results of a fair and legal election, but they didn't have any other statement beyond that, right? So they got there, they got into the Capitol building to take selfies 
and to stand for photo ops. And there are a lot of examples of this. Uh, Getty photographers took some great photos of of these people just ransacking the Capitol. There were people who took photos of themselves in Nancy Pelosi's office. People stole mail from Pelosi's office. You know, they they wrote, wrote graffiti on the walls of the Capitol. All for the all for the online clout. I feel yeah. like that's the main thing, right? I think the funny thing for me was seeing the <laughs> so I follow this Instagram account called Influencers in the Wild, where oh, they boy. just, you know, pictures of influencers doing their thing in the middle of the street or the road or whatever. And and that for all of yesterday when the coup happened, it was mm-hmm. just people taking photos of other influencer wannabes yeah. 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 in these offices in the in the capital. So it was just like clearly imposing, right? Like why do like imposing. why would you do that if yeah. not for for fame and glory, I guess? It's like you could see you could see them, hey, please smash that like button and subscribe as I <laughs> sit on, you know, the dais of the Capitol building. Um and we're I'm saying right wing extremists here, like let's be clear, there were literal neo-Nazis invading the American capital. So you can see that too. Like a lot of the folks, you can see the tattoos. These are people who are known within online communities for extreme right-wing views and neo-Nazi views. So this is where we are as a country. Um, Let me just say, as all this was happening, I was definitely starting to think like maybe, maybe social media was a mistake. Maybe, you know, maybe this instant communication and the ability to instantly broadcast so much to a pl- audience of millions, you know, and have it shared and retweeted so quickly, it does kind of bring out the worst in us. You know, human beings, we're social animals. This is what we are kind of built for. We come mm-hmm. together, we tell stories. It's kind of how we survive and, you know, survive as a civilization. Social media has given us the ability to communicate at light speeds, to broadcast it in ways that we've never really seen before. You know, it's sort of like, uh, I don't know if you ended up seeing Wonder Woman 1984, Sherlyn. I did. But the actual dumb plot of that movie is the supervillain taking advantage of um, satellite satellite that will beam information. Not a huge spoiler here, but it's a satellite that's going to beam, you know, information right to everybody's TVs. And oh, man, isn't that a crazy supervillain plot? Except, no, It's it's we can all do it. Any time of the day from our phones, you make something viral, it'll get on national news, right? It'll be on all the social media platforms. We can do it. Anybody can do it right now. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we're not really using that power for good most of the time, unfortunately. And I think that we should put a finer point on this. Like, it sure. was extremely online. Yes, Facebook and Twitter have a lot to answer for but it was also the Donald refugee site when uh, sure. Reddit backslash uh, the Donald got banned. It was all, It's also 8kun. Um, the place where uh, all of the QAnon rumors really started. Y- mm-hmm. Do you remember that picture, all those pictures of that guy who looked like he stepped out of Skyrim? Uh, yep. he, he is known as the QAnon shaman. Yeah, the neo-Nazi Viking, by the way. Like, yeah. Yep. Uh, so this is, this it's, is where we're it's at. It's not yeah. just Trump. It's not just Trump's tweets and Instagram posts. It's also the entire like QAnon conspiracy universe. It's yeah. the fact, but which is based around him. Like he is, he is the main character of these conspiracies, right? I, I mean, he's he, the main he character of them be, right yeah. now. He, yeah, is, in two months, is he going to continue to be the main character of them? It's uh, the wildest fan fiction going on right now is QAnon, which spun out of the Pizzagate conspiracy, but which was tied to 
kind of Trump's ideology and what his supporters wanted to believe. But anyway, um, let me just say, I woke up this morning to see the New York Times front page that said, Congress confirms Biden's win, defying mob attack. And that's just incredibly, like that really just puts it into perspective because yesterday was supposed to be about confirming that presidency. And also, hey, I'm in Georgia and there were two really, really crucial elections here. uh, And both Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff won their seats, um, giving Democrats, you know, control of the Senate and everything. So there was a lot to celebrate yesterday. And instead, what we're talking about is, you know, whining online people rioting and looting and attacking the Capitol building and police not really doing much about it. So I just feel really sad. But we're going to talk about gadgets and fun I mean, stuff you mean, and try you know, to I mean, take our minds off of it. This is literally what yesterday was supposed to be about, which is yeah. all my CS prep work. And then like yeah. all, everything happened. And well, I guess not. And it, this podcast itself was interrupted because we had to <laughs> we wanted to talk just about CES today. It'd be like a, all gadget chat. Yeah. And this is going to be go. an easy episode, right? Because yeah. we're tired and we're just going to yeah. we know what we're going to talk just about. Preview what's up. Uh, but anyway, like clearly there there's a lot happening right now. And I think the very online nature of these, I don't even want to call them protests. Like these are, these are riots. Like these are, you know, integrated group mob things happening here. It's only going to get worse, which, which is also what worries me. So, you know, we're going to, I think what I'd recommend for a lot of people is stay tuned to our reporting. I hope you're reading news from, you know, accurate, truthful sources. I think one publication that's been doing a great job throughout the pandemic and certainly throughout Trump's presidency is The Atlantic. And I think find sources that are accurate, find sources that actually teach you something, because I think even even when you, you're a smart, well-read person, you probably have something to learn about these communities, which you may not be paying attention to. But I think it is worth acknowledging like how online this is and yeah, we'll keep an eye on the story. It's going to be ongoing and moving for a while. But let's move on to CS because that's yep, something please. we actually know about. One more thing, folks, that actually just dropped as we were recording this episode is an announcement from Mark Zuckerberg that he is blocking Trump's access to his Facebook and Instagram accounts indefinitely. It's weird language because it's... Um, He says specifically, we are extending the block we have placed on his Facebook and Instagram accounts indefinitely and for at least the next two weeks until the peaceful transition of power is complete. So it really sounds like this is more of a two-week ban to get get us to the point where Biden is president, which is just a wild thing to be considering. Um, But This sounds like more of a stand. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a slightly longer suspension. I think his uh, there's one statement in here that I think is really um, like this entire this is the most forceful thing I think we've ever seen from Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm, but he says exactly. his decision to use his platform to condone rather than condemn the actions of his supporters at the Capitol building has rightly disturbed people in the U.S. and around the world. We removed these statements yesterday because we judged that their effect and likely their intent would be to provoke further violence. Um, and then he goes on to say that, you know, they have allowed Trump to be on their platforms while removing posts, but the context now is just fundamentally different. So this is the strongest move we've ever seen Facebook yep. take against yep. anybody. I wonder if Twitter's going to follow up. Any thoughts here, Sherlyn? Uh, same thing that I've already said, which is it took yep. a bunch of men and women in suits, much of men and women in power for someone mm-hmm. like Zuckerberg to feel and mostly white enough men and women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To do this. So... 
I, again, I, I appreciate that it's, it's, they're finally taking a more forceful stand. Um, and maybe Twitter will follow suit. We don't know. Um, Twitter has been traditionally a bit faster than Facebook at doing things like that. Yeah. But we'll yeah. see. You never know. But they might take an even more forceful stand. Who knows? It's crazy that even as we're recording this episode, the story keeps going and gets even yeah. wilder. But yeah. yeah, stay tuned. We'll be following all this in Gadget and certainly talking more about it on the show. Mm-hmm. But let's move on to something maybe a little, a little lighter, a little more fun. <laughs> let's talk about our CES preview. One thing I really like about CES is that it is sort of a preview of the year ahead, mm-hmm. and it's become more and more the TV show. And this year is no different. And Samsung kind of kicked things off. We have several stories from Samsung already. They are bringing micro LED TVs to mainstream consumers. And th- we don't know the pricing or availability for these things, but I think that is a crucial thing for them because they're taking this technology, which they first showed uh, off with the wall TV. I mm-hmm. think they announced that two years ago, two or three. This is technology that basically brings tiny, tiny little LEDs uh, on a per pixel basis on a display. So basically doing what OLED does uh, to give you really great contrast and very dark black levels, uh, because it's not like these things need backlighting. All these individual pixels are going to be LEDs and they can be turned on or off. And this is sort of the holy grail of TV technology. The wall was cool, but it was not anything that somebody would actually buy, right? They took this technology. uh, It was for custom installers. It was for, Mm -hmm. like, big corporate offices. I think as of last year, when people tried to spec out, like, oh, what if I want to configure the 146-inch version of the wall? You're basically buying these tiny panels, each of which Mm -hmm. costs, like, $16,000. And by the time you put that together you have a TV that is cost over Mm $300,000. That's not something for everybody. So what they're doing now is, uh, and the other thing about the wall micro LED, they came in these panels that had to be connected sort of like Lego blocks, right? Like it's it's expandable, it's modular. It's modular, yeah. Yeah, now they're announcing these new sets uh, in 88 inches, 99, and 110 inches that are going to be pre-configured from the factory. So they're going to be basically... Just self-contained boxes, like when you buy a normal TV, you take it out of the box, you can mount it on the wall, do it all yourself, probably with some help, because these are big screens, so you'll probably need like some friend's help or something. Um, And these are TVs that are so thin, they're meant to be mounted on the wall, they're going to be selling a stand separately. But what's key is their micro-LED tech, it's kind of, Samsung is bringing it down more to mainstream consumers. But again, very, very rich mainstream consumers, right? We don't have pricing or anything yet on these, but... Let me tell you, the 8K, you know, 88-inch uh, LG OLED right now, which is sort of like the perfect TV, the one if you had unlimited money and a ton of space on your wall you'd want to put up, um, that thing costs $30,000. So I would this imagine these sets would be at least that or more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I actually mm-hmm. managed to see the micro uh, LED TV, uh, like a 110-inch version at uh, Samsung's preview event here in New York. Oh yeah, you um, went to a physical event. Yeah, amazing. Samsung had a whole thing where it, where they had a whole bunch of stuff, and yeah. uh, you know, seeing the QLED TV. I mean, th- that's the thing with the the difficulty of CES being a virtual mm-hmm. show is because, like we said, it's a big TV uh, yeah. TV set and TV technology you have to show. See them. Yeah, you really have to see it for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. But I was able to, and I can. T- I mean, they didn't want us to take any, you know, 
pictures or whatever of it because well, it was let like me a just tell you unit. samsung kind of screwed our plans for covering this micro led tv right because we read about it right we saw their news and we're like oh this is cool this is your cooling technology right everybody's going to want to see what micro led is all about and we get there that day and i think overnight samsung in korea was just like no no video no photos it, yeah entirely it was news to everybody be. it kind of kind of stank Mm-hmm. The the setup in the in the demo area basically mm-hmm. for the micro LED was in this really dark uh, corner where they had black blackout uh, curtains and everything. So, it, I mean, the effect was really good. It was as if you were at, in their really dark booth at CES sure. as well. Sure. Um, so yeah, of course, I was like fascinated by it and got up close and I was like, had my face had to be like right up against the panel to see pixels mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, and it, it looks really good, but like you said, the whole point of this is to the fact that it's now going to be available to consumers and the key like thing we need to know with that is the price. And that's not something and the that price. Yeah. Samsung's it's uh, to it's more, if you have to ask, you don't want to, like, you can't afford it. I think that's where the price <laughs> is going to come down. Uh, expect this to cost the amount, you know, of a car or something. So again, not for, not for everybody, but not I do for most think, people um, just yet. for like, for like a super rich person who didn't want to go through the headache of, uh, of setting up something, um, yeah, with professional installers, because the wall for all it was right. The wall needed professional installation. And Samsung told me like that could take days because somebody has to go connect the panels, make sure it all works together, make sure it's all synchronized. It's not the easiest experience. And uh, Samsung isn't the only company doing this, uh, by the way. Like Sony just mm-hmm. announced their micro LED giant corporate screens, which are basically the same thing. Um, and micro LED isn't the only thing we saw from Samsung, right? They talked about their new QLED TVs, Neo QLED, yep. which um, are powered by mini LED backlights. So this is where TV tech gets really annoying and confusing, right? So there's <laughs> micro LED, which is the, it is, it's not even quite the same as like LCD tech. It just kind of has that name, but micro is the smallest. It is the one that gets you lights on a per pixel basis. Mini LED is more like a traditional LCD screen, which has like backlight zones. Mm. And it used to be, and even for Samsung, it used to be like maybe uh, 10 years ago, like in the early 2010s, most TVs had side lights around them, which is one reason why LCD TVs had, you know, issues with uniform lighting and black levels and everything, because you basically had like these spotlights reading lights on the tops and sides of the screen mm-hmm. it never made things look very good and back in the day like 10 years ago i was rocking a plasma tv because plasma didn't have this problem plasma was very uniform it was kind of like the oled of that time talk to any you know anybody into a home theater in the mid 2000s and early 2010s like plasma was kind of where it was at but now led um lcd tvs are kind of getting better over the last couple of years we've seen full array backlights, which means those lights were actually put uh, behind the panels in specific zones. And the number of those backlights determined how good the contrast level was and the brightness Mm -hmm. was and the black levels were, because the more lights you have, the better a zone could be localized, right? So if you're looking at a scene with like a sun or a single bright light or something, if you don't have enough uh, LEDs to light that spot up, you'll get this weird halo effect that just looks like I don't know, like there's a ghost in this one portion of your screen. It doesn't look uniform. It doesn't look black enough. Mini LED are basically smaller backlights, which can give you thousands of potential areas to light up. And that basically gets you quality that's close to OLED. Um, 
at a much, much cheaper price. So I talked about this when I bought TCL's 8 Series. That's a mini LED TV, actually one of the first on the market. I mm-hmm. bought that thing for a thousand bucks at a 65 inch size and it looks fantastic. And it looks like mini LED, both Samsung and um, Sony. I know Sony's not doing this right now. Samsung is kind of getting into this. LG announced that some of their newer sets, uh, their non OLED sets, will also have mini LED as well. So that's kind of the, the state of TV right now. We're also seeing new OLEDs from LG and Sony as usual. Um, nothing really new there. It just seems like they're better OLEDs, you know? We're kind of at a standstill right now, but the real exciting tech in TVs is mini LEDs. I don't know, like based on what you saw, Sherlyn, what did you think of the Neo QLED sets? Um, I mean, so those weren't, you know, given that that treatment, the way the micro LEDs mm-hmm. were, where there's like a dark room, whatever, they're just like hung right. up on a wall. Because um, they're bright. And, they're meant to be super bright. Right. So right. They and and, and they look yeah. great. The the lighting mm-hmm. across it looked even everything. I've been interested in QLED technology for a while since they first appeared on TVs and then now starting to make their way onto laptops. So, I mean, mm-hmm. QLED screens are really great. Um, I was more interested in some of the features that Samsung uh, announced as well. Um <laughs> One of them, which oh, yeah, immediately caught my yeah. <laughs> there's a whole bunch, uh, and I won't get into all of them. The one that did catch my eye that you know led me to be like, oh right, a separate story about this is the uh, Samsung Health app, which launched last year on Samsung's TVs, mm-hmm. uh, is getting a new feature called Smart Trainer, and it basically uses an optional camera that you have to attach uh, mm-hmm. to analyze your form when you're working out with Samsung Health workout videos, and also count your reps. So <laughs> this, 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 is, this is not a new concept, right? There's devices cool. that yeah. do this, but not a, not a lot of them use cameras just yet. Um, and they're not very sophisticated. And Samsung Health uh, Smart Trainer is also far from sophisticated at the moment. But, you know, it counted my jumping jacks quite correctly. It <laughs> did, lo- lo- you know, like a lot of squats. It counted the squats fairly accurately, too. And the form, the, like analysis is a little iffy because Brian O, our video producer who was there at the event, did a bunch <laughs> of squats. Brian's like on top Brian's of his fitness. Yeah. He's on top of his fitness. He knows what he's doing. And his form was great, but the, mm-hmm. the system was just like none of the these system are squats. just could not keep up with Brian. I mean, I understand oh, yeah. this. We don't have <laughs> exactly. the technology for that. Um, you know, <laughs> it is funny you bring this up to Sherlyn because the thing that seems to be really happening this year too is health tech. That yeah. is directly visible on your TVs, right? You're, you mm-hmm. tested out Apple Fitness, Fitness Plus, Plus, and yeah. that is kind of the same thing. I want to try that because I have an Apple Watch, I have an Apple TV, and I kind of want something that'll help me get up and moving uh, mm-hmm. when I stop nursing the sprained ankle. You know, But that seems like a, a bigger thing happening this year. We'll talk about that. We'll talk for about sure, like, the health sure. stuff there's coming. There's plenty too. of stuff we can talk about yeah. in health tech in a little bit, but uh, there's what more else from, from Samsung. Samsung. Yeah. yeah. Uh, There's more from Samsung in addition to their TVs. Uh, Today, the company announced a new Galaxy Chromebook 2. Mm -hmm. Um, I first laid eyes on the Galaxy Chromebook, the original one, last CES. Like, I miss a lot. But, um, (laughs) and it was this brilliant, bright red Lamborghini style (laughs) Chromebook Mm -hmm. where, like, I've never seen a Chromebook that good all, all people before. would all they had to do was make a bright red Chromebook and everyone's like, ooh, it's, ah, it's I'm a notorious red. Chromebook hater. So it's, I know, consider yeah. me not impressed. Yeah. You you don't have to be, but the the original yeah. Chromebook it was really good looking, very thin, very much in the in the aesthetic of a lot of uh Samsung's latest laptops, right? This really mm-hmm. thin, minimal, clean look. But the the issue with the original 
Galaxy Chromebook was that <laughs> for some ah, reason it had a 4K it a AMOLED. It was a Chromebook, yeah. Well, okay. But okay, 4K <laughs> AMOLED screen yeah. um, and just like $9.99 starting price. Like the two things that Chromebooks don't need to be high end or expensive. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I get the Chromebook hate sometimes uh, because it's not like the something you should pay a lot of money for, but yeah. as like a budget laptop or whatever, that's where it makes a lot of sense. They're but great. Chromebooks are great under $500. I yes, love Chromebooks there. Absolutely. Keep them there. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, there is a trend towards like slightly more premium Chromebooks that mm-hmm. are between the $500 and $600 price range, but we're, you know, that's another thing altogether. So what happened was with this year's uh, Galaxy Chromebook, which is called the Chromebook 2, uh, Samsung was like, we hear ya. You don't need a 4K AMOLED, we know. <laughs> and we know 999 is a lot to swallow over a Chromebook. So they tweak those two things. So now you're getting a QLED, like we talked about, a full HD QLED, uh, same size 13.3 inch uh, like before. Mm-hmm. And then you have a, um, and the starting price is $550. But at that base level, you're getting an Intel Celeron processor as opposed to the original Chromebook, which was a Core i5, 10th generation Core i5. Um, so a Celeron processor, I mean, for Chrome OS, not so bad, but if you want a bit more power, you can get, uh, the option with the Intel Core i3, which would be $700. So still expensive for a Chromebook and really goes toe to toe with the Pixelbook Go's sort of pricing, Mm -hmm. except for the specs may be a little bit different. Um, but it's just a gorgeous, like just beautiful Chromebook. I was still like, this is pretty. What was the Uh, pricing again? Did they say? What was the pricing for yeah. the uh, five hundred and fifty dollars for the base model with Celeron okay. and seven hundred dollars for the i three model? That's better. That's better. It is this much is where better. You should have started. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the the sad news for me is that unlike the original Chromebook, the Chromebook two doesn't have an S Pen on board. Like usually there's oh, no. a dock for an S Pen. Yeah, and this one doesn't oh, no. have it. But uh, you know, I guess one of the trade offs you have to <laughs> you have to swallow. Yeah, um, we're, we're going to be talking about a bunch more computer stuff, by the way. Oh, but yeah. let me just wrap up Samsung because there were a couple other things we should mention and TVs. AK is a big thing this year. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before too. Sony, LG, Samsung, uh, L- I'm trying to think of who else, like any other big TV mm-hmm. makers. AK is the big thing. There is no AK content. So I think like my main argument against that still stands. But I think what we are seeing is more TV companies doing better 8k upscaling and i don't know if that's going to be super compelling to people right so it's going to be upscaling 1080p and 4k to 8k uh the one argument i've heard from several companies is that hey listen once our tvs get beyond 88 inches or something you'll probably start to see the limits of 4k right and they may have a point there i think once you get to like 100 inch screens and above then okay maybe you'll want those extra pixels to just give you a more realistic image um, I don't know if I quite buy that argument though, just because, Hey, if you have a digit, when you go, when we were going to theaters, you know, we were looking at theater screens, most of those were 4k projector screens. And if you can see, you know, a 30 foot tall 4k image and be just fine with it, I think a 100 inch, you know, 4k in your home would also be fine. Um, so yeah, there's that. That's what's happening. We'll see more from TVs this year, but Shulin, what's up? What's else so, is happening in computers. So, yeah. right. So, so we talked about the Galaxy Chromebook. There's all kinds of computers. Again, CES is traditionally a TV show, but there's also always a ton of laptops. Um, so also announced already today, uh, Lenovo is updating a whole slew mm-hmm. of idea pads. 
Um, and usually the company also has like staggered, you know, news announcement dates. So I'm sure we can expect more from Lenovo. And usually this is where the flagship ThinkPad line mm -hmm. gets a refresh. So the ThinkPad X1 series is a very popular line with people with a lot of people. Um, I think some people also have a love hate relationship with it, like me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you know, we can expect. Uh, I think we can expect some updates on that front. Uh, the the, you know. Today's announcements from Lenovo include a 5G laptop that is, you know, like, all right, thanks, with the Snapdragon 8 CX. Not the Gen 2, but the Snapdragon 8 CX, the older 2018 chip. Mm -hmm. um, which, again, we've gone on and on on this podcast about Windows on ARM, but yeah, this is, yeah. you know, it's not letting up, right? Like, companies are going to keep making them even if they have to use older <laughs> chipsets. It's fine. That's disappointing, I'm, though. Yeah, it is slightly disappointing. We haven't especially, seen these laptops especially in after person. we saw Apple's M1 hardware, right? Which is just like, goddamn, those chips are blowing away every like PC hardware right now. And yeah, to be running two-year-old Snapdragons, like. Hmm. I want to say that like the idea pet 5G was probably in development for a yeah. while now. Like yeah, by yeah, the yeah, time yeah. Apple announced the M1, they couldn't be like, "Well, should we hold this?" So that's that. But the thing is also yeah. like um, a lot of the idea pads announced today aren't going to be available in the U.S. yet. Um, mm -hmm. There's also a new Yoga All-in-One, uh, and I, I know you know All-in-Ones uh, quite well, Dev. So sure. does this sound interesting to you? The <laughs> Yoga All-in-One 27 uh, is a 27-inch AIO that can Flip. It has a hinge that can flip it from horizontal to vertical. Uh, <laughs> Which is so kind like, of a trend this year, I guess. It's a trend. I don't know. It's a huge trend. I mean, last year, uh, I think Samsung did this, well, not the Serif TV, but it the had Cero, a TV. Cero. The Ciro, thank you. Ciro. That could also do that. Mm -hmm. So this is like a similar take, except for the it's the all-in-one. Um, mm -hmm. You can cast it as all-in-one screen. I don't know screen. why you'd want that on a PC, <laughs> is the thing. Like, I actually not, know people right. who use vertical monitors and it's useful if you're like working in web development or something yes, or programming yes, but yes. you usually have that you know portrait monitor right next to a normal landscape monitor so it's usually like a second or third display for people right so maybe they don't have a lot primary. of space yeah. maybe they don't have a lot of room so you want mm -hmm. one screen what a, i mean what a, it, there's also software that allows you to cast your you know mobile <laughs> articles to right, right. this screen so maybe you want to see it you know how it looks on a bigger screen that sort of thing mm -hmm. and uh lenovo promised that a future update will basically turn these things into like smart tvs so that they can play you know uh tv shows directly from apps uh without having to go through a browser or yeah. whatever which cool uh too and late, you wouldn't have to rely Quibi. on Did windows they make this thing just for yeah Quibi? poor Quibi. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe, maybe the would have been the perfect service for it. Yeah. <laughs> for, um, but there have been so many other laptops. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I know the embargoes are sort of drip feeding out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I would suggest the viewer and the listener keep an eye on Engadget.com all throughout hey. this this weekend next. Because can, can we talk I, about some? <laughs> I can keep the dates straight for myself. Can, that's all. It's fine. We're all we're all busy. And crazy, like we're all bone tired right now. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about some broader things, though, because I think what you can expect from all the computers you're seeing um, yep. this week and next week is yep. new hardware. And we don't mm -hmm. know what that new hardware is going to be, but we know Intel has, you know, a press conference set up. Uh, AMD is going to be doing a keynote and a press conference as usual. NVIDIA is always a big presence at CES. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw 
some new chips, some yeah. new GPUs, yeah. um, at least new mobile GPUs, because NVIDIA is kind of waiting. Like, come on, like, we know. They just launched the 3000 RTX series on desktop. We're just waiting for them to hit mobile. So that's probably going to be coming at some mm -hmm. point. Um, so you can really look forward to all that. Uh, my main advice to everybody looking at computer stuff, do not... Don't buy a computer right now, because if you wait a couple of weeks and you see what's new and what's coming, maybe the computer you want will actually drop in price as the newer model is going to be available. So, you know, keep an eye on that. Um, any other like I think one good thing about going to CES, Sherlyn, is that we get to see the yes. new weird stuff, right? Like yeah. foldable PCs and dual screen PCs. Dude, what are you expecting? Because we can't talk about like embargoed stuff but <laughs> on a general level are you expecting to see more foldable pcs especially after the uh the lenovo thing you reviewed that's that's the whole thing right like usually a show at like ces is where people bring their more daring concepts to the event to show people things in real life but mm -hmm. because so much doesn't translate with without you know through zoom or whatever um People, I think companies are being more cautious about that. So I personally, I'm not sure we'll be able to see that many wacky and wild things unless, I mean, all we're going to maybe see is a teaser video maybe or like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that <laughs> there's a lot of companies also that are mm -hmm. ready to give foldable, you know, a goal again. Yeah. Because the ThinkPad X unfold just proved that there's still so much to be, you know, worked on. And Microsoft you know, I think they're waiting on Microsoft to do something with Windows 10X, right? So Yeah, and Microsoft already announced Windows 10X won't be just for dual screens at first, but that, that hasn't launched yet, and we don't know what they're going to do with that. We're in a weird holding pattern right now. I think that's kind of the thing and the way we're at. I'm also, let me just tell you guys, like I've seen some weird stuff just previewed concept-wise from companies, mm -hmm. and so much of it is just like, did you just like draw something <laughs> oh, wait, on a I napkin? Forgot. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. just give feed me this as a concept device because this is ridiculous. So we're going to be talking. That's next week's conversation. So, because, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff like that. I mean, OK, so I'm just right now double checking that some the embargo on something mm. lifted because I'm pretty sure. But it is pretty wild. And um, um, yeah, so it's called the La Vie Mini. It's one of Lenovo's yes, yeah. partnered uh partner with NEC and they came out with this line called Lavi. And so that started like sort of last year. The Lavi Mini is like a netbook style device, right? It's like a little laptop and it's almost chunky, but it's cute. But you can also add like controllers to the side to turn it kind of into like a switch. Uh -huh. um, and then you can prop <laughs> it up so that it's sort of standing like a smart display. This thing takes a lot of forms. That's cute. Um, I, can, I can dig that. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting concept. Again, Lenovo isn't one to shy from wild <laughs> concepts. And to, to be fair, this isn't mm -hmm. just Lenovo, but I like that the company is still trying to do these interesting things. <laughs> uh, you can check out all about the Lavi Mini on our site. It's on Engadget.com. It's very, it's very cute. I just feel like, because oh. we also saw some concepts from uh, Dell last year, right? Where last we saw year, one yeah. that was just the like Alienware. a giant, it was a mini PC that looked like a giant <laughs> switch in your hand. And yeah. I just don't. It's more like I don't think Windows can handle these concepts yet. And Microsoft really has to like step up when it comes to making Windows more flexible and more usable yeah. on a lot of yeah. different form factors. Yeah. I, 
I just love that the Lovey Mini Mini is like a 2021 device, but reminds me of 1999. I'm just like, it's oh. very 1999. Yeah, it it's reminds so me of those like. I remember watching anime in the late 90s, and people would have all these like Sony <laughs> and NEC little yep. mini like laptop things, <laughs> like a bio thing that looked like it was a five oh inch mini computer. It's like, oh, that's a future. I want to live there. Yeah, and yeah, yeah let's go back. Uh, let's go back to that. Um, yes. Dual screen computers. That's a thing. That was, I think that was more of a reality last year. We're still uh-huh. waiting for the Surface Neo to come out. We don't know yep. what other companies are going to be doing yet. Asus is usually big mm-hmm. on this. Like we've reviewed the Zenbooks with the uh, the special screen mm-hmm. that's underneath that. Um, so maybe we'll see more of that this year. And I feel like yeah. just Asus has been doing a good job compared to everybody else. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully they'll get better and refine their stuff. Yeah. And that that does also remind me of the Intel Technology Open House. We usually go uh-huh, to at CES uh-huh. where they that's where they show off their wilder concepts. <laughs> and without the pressure of an open house like that, I think the companies are more like, oh, I guess we don't have to show anything. So maybe right, that's why. Right. But right. But so we, we shouted out Lenovo. We shouted out Asus. But there's plenty of more laptop companies and PC companies. Right. So I'm, I'm waiting to hear more. I mean, some of them have already some news that's gone up. Like Dell has had some early news go up. Mm-hmm. Um, there's HP to look out for. There's yeah. Acer to look out for. These companies usually have a presence. And then we have all for the sure. gaming laptop brands this, that usually this have is big the week of there. Like normal laptops, right? Like consumer yeah. laptops. And next week, or like I think especially yeah. after NVIDIA's press conference, we'll probably see a lot of gaming laptops hit, right. the, uh, hit the streets. So right. it's going to be exciting because here. Because a little yeah. behind the scenes, the companies <laughs> like to wait till they can name the chipset and publicly yeah. tell you the names of the chip, you know, and when they announce their news, so they'll wait till the chip maker does their announcement and then they can follow up and say, hey, we got it too. Um, <laughs> so definitely stay tuned for that stuff. For sure. So listeners, if you're excited about anything we've been talking about, TVs, computers, send us a message at podcastandgadget.com and let us know if there's anything we should focus on for next week's episode, which is going to be our big CES mm-hmm. episode. We're actually going to record that early on Wednesday because it's going to be part of our live show. We're doing this huge like live video stream and gadget. So mm-hmm. you know, keep an eye on our YouTube channel. You could just tune in and get a lot of great CES content like streamed right to you. It's going to be really fun. I'm looking forward to doing this. Same. Let's move on to other stuff we're expecting at CES. Uh, I think every year, more and more, it's becoming more of a health tech and a wearable show. I know this is really your jam, Mm Sherlyn. Like, any thoughts about what we can see this year? Yeah, so um, as before, as for the last eight years now, I think, Engadget continues to be the official, the judge of the official Best of CES award. And uh, we're all assigned categories to take care of. And within my jurisdiction is things like wearables and health tech. So the last few years have been like growing. And there was like a few years ago that wearables Mm -hmm. was like this hot thing that everyone was like, this is a wearable. I'm like, and now it's just everything is a wearable, right? Like me and Valentina, who are going to help judge the, um, the nominees for best wearables, we're mm-hmm. like, she was asking me, she was like, so what, uh, well, what, what do you think? Uh, you know, none of the, <laughs> you know, n- a lot of companies that we usually see wearables from save their news for later in the year around mm-hmm. Bez- Basil World, which is the watch show. Um, Basil so what World. I'm um, Basil World. Um, yeah. And so I was just like, I was telling her, don't worry, honey, because <laughs> you'll see. There will be all kinds of wearables. And mm-hmm. not surprisingly, I've already seen, like, publicly even announced, mm-hmm. like, face masks. 
right? Didn't we think this <laughs> this is the CES that yeah. face masks are going to be the hot new wearable? We're going to see. I mean, LG already <laughs> announced one with like what looks yeah. like air conditioners built but in, but specifically uh, like active face masks, right? Like not just face cloth, masks. but as- active face masks. You have to charge. Yes, they have filtration yes. and lights so, and all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. Yes, the LG one that I'm talking about was announced like earlier in 2020, mm-hmm. and it came with it with a built-in fan and with purifiers <laughs> and air purifiers and stuff like that. That was that looks bulky as hell. Now we're seeing yeah. things that are a little slimmer, sleeker, um, with still what looks like fans, mm-hmm. and then some of them do things like they'll display a smile in front of the mask. Oh my god! Or- it is we are. No, we already knew 2020 was our, you know, giant leap into dystopian future. But right now we are just living out Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Yeah. Um, because in that yeah. movie, there there would be like oxygen tanks around and yes. older folks would sometimes need fresh air so that you could go check in mm-hmm. uh, to survive in your polluted city. It seems like, mm-hmm. man, we are we are just getting there. I'll tell you guys, uh, there's something I will talk about next week, but. One of the wildest <laughs> gadgets I've ever seen is uh, is an active face mask, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I I'm kind of down with this, like especially. Hopefully, we'll all have access to vaccines, you know, within throughout 2021. Like, hopefully, that's something everybody will be able to get, and you know, we'll be able to tamp down this pandemic. But until then. I will certainly be wearing masks everywhere. And I think even yeah. during every flu even season, after. right? Like, right. let's make masks a common thing. Next, um, mm-hmm. next CES, I'm definitely still wearing a mask. Oh, God. I mean, yeah. If we're if we're go traveling to CES, every CES which is already yeah. a dangerous event, like CES flu is a real thing. Um, yes. I am definitely going to be wearing a mask. But by then, yes. maybe you'll want a mask that has like um, a clear, transparent front so people can see your lips and see yes. your smile or something that lights sure. up so people can see your lips at night for accessibility. So yeah. Yeah, that'll be cool. Um, but I mean, okay, so so back to wearables uh, really quickly just to finish that out. Um, mm-hmm. In addition to masks, uh, my point was trying to say that like y- you never think of what can be a wearable. It could be a t-shirt. It could be a sock. It could be something like two years ago, there were wearable breast pumps that won the best wearable of CES. So I'm actually just waiting to be surprised and delighted uh, with the best wearables category. But health tech... Um, it's going to be big too. I mean, it's always been big. I've seen the weirdest things out of the health tech section at, uh, in Vegas in the past where like there was this like pill you could swallow and then it would stay in your system and monitor your temperature uh, and send that to your doctor, that sort of thing. And I forget the exact name of the product, but there's stuff like that. But there's also mm-hmm. the explosion of home fitness, uh, home fitness tech. So I'm expecting to see more stuff there too. But for now, we're, we're just in a wait and see mode with a lot of these smaller product categories, smaller than our usual like laptops and TVs um, mm-hmm. beats too. Um, another thing that I usually like to see at CES, which I rarely get to cover uh, when, you know, in my day to day is beauty tech. Beauty tech uh-huh. usually also somehow appears at CES. So brands like L'Oreal or... Schwarzkopf, I think that might be a L'Oreal brand. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of lots of beauty brands also want a piece of the action. Like CES is the one year where every other industry wants in on tech. So they come in and they show their stuff. Um, so I might not be able to see as much uh, of these as I like this year, uh, but I'm still excited to see that. And then finally, I think, you know, it's high time that accessibility got a lot more attention. And I think, uh, and CES has traditionally had some accessibility uh the products to, you know, being announced and launched. There's been wheelchairs, motorized wheelchairs in the past too. 
Um, and I, I'm also just excited to check out that category. That's also one of the categories uh, for the Best of CES Awards, which is best for accessibility. Um, so those are the things that I'm keeping my eyes out for and, and really hopeful about. Um, are those the only things? I mean, <laughs> there, there's other you? stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's they're not the only things, but they're they're the surprise. They're, they're the like things you don't mm-hmm. typically think about in your in my day to day like line. Of let, work, me, let me just say like, throughout 2020, a lot of us have been, oh, yeah. you know, cordoned <laughs> off from people. Uh, things are kind of lonely, you know, like maybe maybe just need need some help, you know, and so. I think, yeah. <laughs> OK, I, I what got are we getting you. to here? So last year was the first year the CTA officially was like, yeah, sex tech can display at the show. And then this year it's like uh, such a weird show. I don't really mm-hmm. know what the guidelines are there, but I'm also, you know, pretty sure we'll see plenty of sex tech uh, mm-hmm. announcements across CES 2021 from from smart yeah. vibrators. Zoom I mean, plugins for all your sex tech. Ooh, like, let's just combine all get that imaginative. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not to say that, okay, so companies like Linus, yeah. I mean, Linus made this biosensing uh, dildo vibrator, sure, and I think there will be updates there, I'm hoping. Um, and Oh My Bot tends to show up too. And then there's things like teledildonics that have already sort of been in development for a while. It's not mm-hmm. like a new thing to us, but, you know, we'll probably see more of them designed for, like, time like this these pandemic times we'll need all of this you know (laughs) to keep Mm -hmm, us mm -hmm. going to keep things juicy um so there's there's that to look forward to too they don't maybe some people are uh it's uh, the remember ces used to run alongside the avn awards the adult is it adult video awards so that was like a weird cross-section of people that would just be in the same video show yeah yeah um and now it's just kind of fully fully come over so hey that's cool more power to you one thing i really like about cs by the way is like we we often just confront weird stuff you know weird new stuff um i think that's gonna be part of the things i miss you know just going to the show and running into things but is there anything weird you're expecting or have seen so far sherlyn Man, I don't. I people. I always think things are gonna get strange, and then people <laughs> surprise me and get even stranger. So yeah, yeah. Stranger things. Um, I I don't know yet. I really either I'm under embargo or I just don't know. You know, so we don't know. Well, let me let me ask you this. Um, because I think every year, uh, when I first started going to CES, I was very excited. Right, I'm going mm-hmm. to Vegas. I'm gonna be covering you know the latest and greatest in tech. My first CES was was a goddamn nightmare like my editor my editor booked me at this seedy motel that was on the strip it was really gross i was there too long i didn't i didn't know like i should try to be using cabs to get everywhere because las vegas is a terrible city for Mm -hmm. actual transportation so i was walking most places it was just not great Um, but over time I've learned to appreciate the joys of CS, um, specifically like actually being able to work with the Engadget team and see everybody, you know, see everybody yeah, from the UK yeah. and Richard Live from Hong Kong. And we don't always get to see the entire team and actually being able to experience these things in person. It's sort of like, you know, you go to this thing and then for the rest of the year, you're like, okay, yeah, I saw this crazy AKTV in January. I kind of know I have more context about what's happening in June or September or something. So we're not going to have that this year. It's just straight news. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. feel like you've missed anything? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> my friends. So <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. was just thinking this right before the coup started. I was thinking like, I, I just, I, I thought I missed CES. I thought what I missed was, I, I wanted, to, I missed CES, but minus the work, 
Mine is all that hands-on and show floor stuff. I just want to see all the people, eat all the food, hang out all the time, go to parties. And I just realized that all I want is for us to have like a week-long party with no work and just all kinds of hanging out and good food and good times. So I'm mm-hmm. hopeful that once things are safe again, we can throw a days-long party <laughs> that's just no work and everyone just hangs and it'll be fun. Just hangs, just hangs. Like let's just, just yeah, live live stream the hang. We'll all play uh, Among Us. It'll be really we, chill, yes. and we could just hopefully, relax. Yeah, hopefully this will probably be like two or three years down the road. But just want to get everybody mm-hmm. in Vegas again. I'll just I'll just yeah. throw this like the Sherlin show, Sherlin Con, or Sherlin the Gun. Tech Share Friends Con, Con yeah. Share Con, and let's all go party and let's yeah. all have fun. I miss wings. the weird stuff too. By the way, like you know, Vegas is a weird town, but when you Lord, combine yeah. it with the budgets of these companies and oh, they sort yeah. of like thirst to make people pay attention to what they're doing oh yeah we did the Westworld dinner last year yes, which that was, was so fun it was a fancy weird dinner that was promo for the next season of Westworld but it was also mm-hmm. like you know it was run by this marketing company that looked at our social media accounts and you know kind of knew us. things about us and put us in groups and like it was it was a weird test of like tech that would make it easier for you to be at a party, right? For you to just have conversations with people. We talked about this during last CES. We had some great episodes during the last CES, so be sure to go back and listen to those older episodes. It, just uh, are listen you going to miss this, Sherlyn? Yeah, <laughs> listen to those episodes for the nostalgia of like a traditional Going places, CES. yeah. That was the last real proper CES that we had, so definitely go back to that. But, I mean, yes, I, I, yeah, I was saying I missed the Westworld dinner. I miss hanging out in the trailer. I mean, okay, so we usually get into this yeah. like contentious debate. <laughs> With the entire Engadget team when we're deciding the best of CES awards. And usually I don't miss that. Usually I'm like, oh, I don't need to have that kind of drama in my life. But I actually kind of miss that. So you're like, I, mi- I miss the trailer. Listen, <laughs> yes. the trailer is better than my first couple CESs where I was just like a vagabond, just like trying to find oh, space yeah. wherever yeah. I could walk. And like, oh, this corner of this convention center looks good. I'm yeah. just going to sit in this poor corner and like yeah. try to, you know. Go to those gross convention bathrooms. Yeah. So or like yeah. press rooms. I do miss like going into a press, press room and seeing nice, yeah. random people that I know. That sort of thing. That's how you make friends in the industry too. And it's mm-hmm, nice. Mm-hmm. We miss. Uh, yeah. uh, hey, we, it turns out um, as social beings, we miss being social. So <laughs> that is that's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah. Well, we'll wrap up on our CS stuff right now. Check in yeah. next week. Look at Engadget for all of our CS news. It's going to be. I am, my fingers are already hurting. Like, it definitely feels like I'm at CES. There was one I'm point where exhausted. I was up at like, yeah, I was up at like 2 or 3 a.m. just writing embargoes. Like, oh, yeah, this is, this is CES. This is still mm-hmm. happening. Um, mm-hmm. But at least we're not going to be, I'm trying not to work over next weekend because CES used to be almost like a two-week oh, thing Lord. where we work through the weekends and everything. So, yeah. I do, I do miss that like weekend window right before the show kicks off, but we're where all already in Vegas. Yeah. No, no, but we're all already in Vegas and like, oh, I'll <laughs> save all my work to the weekend so that I would just <laughs> do it all day and not have to worry. Uh-huh. Like that was my last minute, like 11th hour work the, the whole weekend oh, yeah. in Vegas. I mean, that, that's one way to do it. I always took that being like, I'm in, we're in Vegas for two days and we could just like not yeah. do anything. And that's pretty fun. Um, yeah. 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 Turns out it's nice having a civilization, and I hope we can get back to that sometime. Hopefully 2022. Mm. Okay, so what have we been working on? This is a stupid question, right? Like, So normally we want to update you guys on everything we've been working on because it may not always tie into the main, you know, subject of the show, but... It's, it's all CS all the time over here, and that's going to be true for next week as well. Unless you have anything you want to add, Jerlyn. Can't think of anything other than CS, honestly. People it's hitting me up in my inbox, I'm just like, CS, yeah. bye. Yeah. 
One thing I quickly want to mention, we will have some news around Sundance, the film festival, which is going to be doing a virtual, you know, virtual festival Mm -hmm. like everyone else this year. But there's something cool and new they're doing. So I'm going to write up a story about that. Be sure to check that out on Engadget. Oh, I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm also reviewing the, well, I'm testing the Amazon Halo. I'm not entirely sure if we're going to properly review it just yet, but... You know, uh-huh. telling it's been in, it's been interesting the insight uh-huh. it's delivered so far. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I you've will, been uh, wearing the halo for a couple of days now, Sherlyn. I'm just wondering how many tone warnings are you getting? I mean, so here's the thing: it doesn't warn you about your tone. You just go into the app and kind of look uh-huh. at the tone section. Passive aggressively at- tells you like you could have been nicer there. So you could have been less to, mean to Devendra there. <laughs> according to this app, right? Uh, so uh-huh. far this today, I've been mostly positive. I've been eleven percent <laughs> cheerful and like you know eleven percent content, but four percent frustrated and four percent mm. like. Does it give you a timeline for when it, you've been frustrated? It sort of has these like notable moments um, <laughs> where you can. So sort showing of, something to the stream. I'm trying screen to show, right now, which show is you not guys. great for audio, yeah. but so for example, cool. right now is. Showing me like uh, at eleven ten a.m., which is like seven mm-hmm. minutes ago, I sounded amused, friendly, or happy. Mm. But um, oh, at, at midnight, at past just past midnight, I was annoyed. Apparently, well, duh. So and, uh, why? Mm. My question is, why would you even build this technology? I don't think you need to know <laughs> the points where you feel. Mm. Anyway, Amazon, Amazon Amazon believes your mood is a big indicator of your internal like mental well-being. So sure, but so far my biggest issue is that it doesn't feel very accurate and it also doesn't <laughs> feel I just like what what are you talking about friendly? When was I friendly? Me? And it, it doesn't yeah. show you the exact thing you said so that you can refer yet. So I think I that's don't, yeah. I don't that's think having tricky. all the information is always helpful, right? Because it yeah. actually will frustrate you more. Because then you're like, what What do you mean I sounded frustrated or annoyed? Who was I talking to then? Did I hurt right. their feelings? Like, it's just... Right. Apparently, just last, whole load. apparently last night there were five instances where I was annoyed or frustrated, but I literally said no Does words. Does it time up to when I was slacking you <laughs> overnight? Could have been, could have been. But I, was, I didn't even say anything. I didn't speak out loud. So it's just interesting what it decided, what it picked up on, you know? Maybe the TV was playing. Maybe it thought it was the TV. A TV. Um, but anyway, okay. after okay. CES, I will hopefully get to work on that. So that's cool. Let's move on to our pop culture picks for the week. What 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 are you watching? What do you want to <laughs> shout out here? Other than Psych and Firefly, which I've been telling you about already, Firefly's uh, good. I want to rewatch yeah. Firefly. Well, now. I actually, yeah. you know, you're gonna be disappointed in me. This is why I keep my picks a secret from you because I want to. Well, see your you like your really garbage like- shows, and then when you get like a, uh, you know, a steak, you're like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, I didn't really quite like Firefly all that much. I know heresy, mm-hmm. but uh, um, it's been 20 years, so I, I know how to deal with people <laughs> in Firefly. So when it comes to when it comes to picks for this show, I try again. Some people already, some listeners already know. I try to be uh, to to find something less mainstream and you know a bit more obscure, so that it's actually something you don't already know is good, right? Um, but this maybe you saw trending in Netflix's top ten over the holidays. But I had just finished uh, Sweet Home. It's this Korean horror series on Netflix. And it's about these uh, this apartment complex in a part of Korea, and it's uh, like a rundown, like on the socioeconomic ladder, mm-hmm. it's a lot lower on the scale, um, sort of sort of development, and it's uh, 
there's some kind of pandemic that turns people into monsters. And it's based on the webtoon. Uh, this is the live action series that I'm talking about. It's based on the webtoon. The mm-hmm. webtoon itself was really well received. I don't know if you heard about it before, uh, Devendra. I don't the think sweet, so. Sweet home. No. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's basically this idea that um, everyone's, you know, if you can, if you get infected, you should start to show symptoms like nosebleeds and whatever. And then uh, in the hour before, in some time, in the window before you fully turn into a monster. And these monsters are very creative, by the way. They're like a cross between Resident Evil and, I don't know, like the strain. Um, but anyway, um, before you turn fully into a monster, there's this, out, like, period of time called the golden hour where you're invincible where you like are human still but you recover <laughs> from all wounds you're basically wolverine mm-hmm. um they and, basically made like a, a post-apocalyptic like rpg into a tv show yeah sort of basically like. yeah. yeah it sounds it sounds sort of like that so there's mm-hmm. a lot of really interesting characters obviously i mean people again who listen to this podcast know i love mm-hmm. watching like korean horror and science fiction <laughs> have you seen train to busan peninsula yet i'm still I haven't seen peninsula because i don't think it's out on digital streaming it's, just it's out. It's out. Okay. I bought it. I've had it in my folder right. for like a couple months now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The reviews for that weren't that great. I don't know uh, exactly when I'm going to watch it, but hopefully mm-hmm. soon after CES. Um, but Sweet Home, I think if you like a good uh, monster flick that's very different than... It has Walking Dead vibes sometimes just yeah. because of like the, the human element to it, but lots more action in terms of monsters and very interesting creatures uh, too. Like there's monsters that don't kill. What's that? What's up with that? What's um, up with that? That's, I mean, this is fun. I want you to check it out, Devendra, and tell me what you think. I mean, I have to see the other thing. What was the the Korean zombie show? Oh, oh, Kingdom. I can't wait for Kingdom to, to come see back for first. a second yeah. season. Definitely but, that one first. Yes, that one's really, really good. There's so many great genre shows. I want to shout out, listen, after yesterday, I just, I, I need a little bit of comfort <laughs> food or yeah. something because the state of this country is just really worrying me. Um, so yeah. I finally decided to catch up on the Steven Universe movie. And Steven Universe is a show I've loved for a long time. And the movie, uh, the original series, and future, the Ooh. final season, they're all on HBO Max right now. So good time to get into it. Steven Universe is a fantastic show. And as somebody who grew up you know, loving anime, I love the fact that we have these creators now, like Rebecca Sugar, who... Grew up watching Sailor Moon and Akira and Utena and everything and have built their own, you know, animated mythologies that constantly reference those things. This is a show about a young kid who has super gem powers because his mother, his late mother was like a space gem. And she she was part of like a race of people who would travel the, you know, travel the universe and colonize planets and whatnot. And it is. I think the most inclusive show I've ever seen, it's kind of a musical, like there's always music happening. And the movie is actually straight up a musical. Um, it's actually, uh, it's a sing-along too, because they uh, they give you the lyrics and everything. They Ooh. do like the bopping thing. So I miss karaoke. I think that's really fun. Yeah. You miss karaoke? Yeah. I, w- I, w- I would try this show for that. <laughs> I mean, I think you'd like the show, too, just because it's about people being learning to be nice with each other and learning to deal mm. with their emotions. It is a very mature and inclusive show that I love so much. Oh, it's I like also mature like, and inclusive. Yes. Yeah, it's fun. It's funny. I like the characters. The cast is actually diverse, too. Like, there's just so much going on. But the movie, I think, was a specifically 
there were five seasons of the original show and it ended in a way that was huge and dramatic and had like universe changing implications. And the movie is just like this nice little thing that is still reckoning with the past. Uh, but the mu- the music is fantastic. It is like, you know, it's, it's the level of something you'd find on like Broadway or something. Actually, they brought in a major singer um, as a sort of voice of the villain. She she's animated in this style of like a 1920s, 1930s Ooh. cartoon. So she looks like, you know, one of those early Mickey cartoons with just like the weird loopy lines and the she's like basically circles her actual character design. And seeing <laughs> wow. that fit into the universe, the world of Steven Universe is uh, is really, really cool and really fantastic. So if you want something good in your life, if you want to just feel a little better, um, check out Steven Universe. If you haven't seen it before, the movie's great. And future so Steven Universe, it's so wholesome. And future is the final season. I I'm going to keep going with that too because I hear that is fantastic and I love mm. I just love it I love that we have creators out there making things like Avatar Last Airbender and this who are you know American creators but are so inspired by the anime that came before them and also are using you know animation studios in Korea which that's where most anime is actually you know produced right now so it it is a great like cross-cultural thing and if you like anime you haven't checked out steven universe before it's all on hbo max so go check it out well that's it for our episode this week everyone thank you as always for listening our theme music is by game composer dale north our outro music is by our very own terence o'brien the podcast is produced by ben elman you can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter, and I podcast about movies and TV at the Slash Filmcast at uh, SlashFilm.com. Check out our Patreon. We actually just did a uh, our top 10 of 2020 episode, and I think, uh, I think you'd all be really surprised at my number one, but they're all movies mm. you should be watching, so go check that out. If you want to send me your uh, request to be invited to ShareCon 2023 or no. uh, any monster ideas for Sweet Home, <laughs> you can hit me up on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts and feedback at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes, please, because that'll really help. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. I was just thinking this right before the coup started. I was thinking like,